Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Let's pray together before we hear from Acts chapter 2. Oh God, we give you thanks for this wonderful Pentecost Sunday. We get to hear again the story of, in some sense, the beginning of your church when we were indeed filled with your power and set to work in this world to share your good news, to grow your kingdom, to be always, always, always about your work. Lord, help us to hear it afresh today. Send your Holy Spirit among us now. Open our hearts and minds that we may hear what you say, that we may also do it. In the name of Jesus, amen. We are hearing from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Let's hear the Pentecost story. Let's hear the Word of God. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, And suddenly from heaven there came the sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living or staying in Jerusalem, And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, and in our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. This is Joel chapter 2. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, 
and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents or signs in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. We hear this Pentecost story these 50 days after Easter, and as Miss Tammy said, it is the birthday of the church. I'm so glad we sang. I love singing happy birthday to the church on Pentecost. This is the coming of the Holy Spirit. This is the fulfillment of the prophet Joel in chapter 2 of his prophecy. I do always get kind of tickled at verse 15, though. It's very serious reading, but that one makes me laugh every time. All these faithful people are in Jerusalem for the Passover, all these faithful Jewish people. They are amazed and perplexed, verse 13. They are wondering, what does this mean as Pentecost unfolds? And they hear all of these words in their own languages. And then come the sneers and the jeers. Somebody say sneers and jeers. The sneers and jeers come along and say, oh, they are filled with new wine. They are drunk. That's what's going on. They are drunk. And then Peter, verses 14, 15, he says, let me tell you, let me tell you what's going on. They are not drunk, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. I always feel like he also is saying between the lines, come back later. They might be, but not this early in the morning. <laughs> it's too early in the morning for that. It's too early for that. He goes on to preach this elegant, beautiful, short sermon 3,000 people are moved. 3,000 people are moved by the same Holy Spirit. They're baptized, and they become followers of the Jesus way. That's what happens. This mysterious speaking in tongues starts it all, where the disciples tell God's deeds of power in the native language of each of the hearers. By the power of the Holy Spirit, people are able to hear what God is doing in Jesus, and they respond. Isn't it interesting how the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was able to pierce the barriers, to pierce the barriers so that the people could truly hear what God is doing in Jesus. We need some of that barrier piercing now, don't we? We need that barrier piercing spirit. We got lots of barriers. We got our Fox News barrier. We got our CNN barrier, our Democrat barrier, our Republican barrier, sometimes even our libertarian barrier. We got our progressive barrier, our traditional barrier. We call them filters, right? We say, oh, these are our filters. Well, filters let some things through. We have moved on to barriers, okay? Barriers block out a whole lot of what God is doing in Jesus. We cannot see it or hear it because of our barriers. Oh, oh, for tongues of fire, tongues of fire, which make us able to tell God's deeds of power in ways that people can actually hear so that we can all be converted together to the Jesus way. 
God's deeds of power. Dunamis in the Greek, dunamis, is the same root word as dynamite, <laughs> explosive, world-shaping power. That's what we're learning about here in Acts chapter 2. I wonder sometimes, I wonder, I really do wonder if we, the church, have forgotten the source of our power. We talk a good game like we know all about it, but we still act like we are under our own power, like everything depends upon just us. Do you feel that? Does anybody else feel that? It's a little bit like running a tiller, isn't it? When you first learn how to run a tiller, anybody remember when you first learned how to run a tiller? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you start running a tiller, that thing just wears you out, right? It beats you to death. At some point, though, you figure out, let the tiller do the work, right? Just let the tiller do the work. And then you get to walk casually behind the tiller like that man in the flannel shirt on the Troy Bilt commercial. You get to do that behind the tiller. That's how it's supposed to be, right? Not unlike driving a car either. When you first learn how to drive, it's so overwhelming. So much is going on. You got to watch your speed, your turning, your blind spots, your blinkers, your rearview mirror. You get somewhere finally and the sweat is just pouring off of your brow. You're just thankful that you made it to school alive. You just arrived alive and that's all you could hope for. Before you know it, not too long, you're, you're on the way to Smyrna for a ball game. You got the cruise control on. You're driving with your knee and you're eating a Southwest salad from Chick-fil-A with a fork and a knife. You know, how do you do that? You just learn how to do it. Jessica knows how to do that. Mamas know how to do that. That's just, that's just how it is. The children are fighting in the back seat, and you're just peaceful driving. The car is doing the work. I've learned this lesson so many times. I have to learn it over and over and over again. I don't remember it, I guess, but... The most memorable learning of this lesson happened to me during a summer college job on a construction crew in Memphis, Tennessee. We were tasked with busting up a concrete slab that used to be the floor of a massive warehouse, completely out in the scorching sun, 103 degrees by 10 o'clock every morning. It was absolutely miserable. The superintendent came over to me and said, do you know how to run a jackhammer? And I said, oh, yes, sir, I know how to run a jackhammer. I'm 20 years old. I've been running a jackhammer 30 years. I know how to run a jackhammer. Just show me where it is. He showed me where it was. I realized it weighed as much as I did. I looked at the thing. I thought, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but I was determined to run that thing because I had already been branded the shovel engineer since I was a civil engineering student. That's what they call me, the shovel engineer. I did not want to bring any extra shame on my family or on my future pro profession. So I studied that jackhammer for a little while. I, I got my mind around it. Then I tried to get with it. You know, it took all my might to get the thing in an upright position. If you've ever operated a jackhammer, you understand. It's heavy. The thing is very heavy. I finally got it up and I spent the next hour trying to figure out how to turn it on without breaking an arm or leg. That's where I was running the jackhammer because they are powerful machines. I got the thing started, and for three days, I rode that jackhammer in every conceivable position. I climbed on top of it. I threw a leg around it. 
I leaned over on it. I wound up riding it like a pogo stick just all over the place, and I couldn't get anything done. Nothing would work right with that jackhammer. The only thing that happened, I was bruised and battered. Muscles in my body that I didn't know I had were hurting. I could barely walk to the truck at the end of our 12-hour days on that concrete slab. It was absolute misery. The whole time, I'm wearing myself out. I'm watching this toothpick of an old man. He had to have been about 75. He was probably 45. He just looked 75. He was a skinny little old man running his jackhammer over on the other side of the slab. He had one hand on it, smoking a cigarette with his left hand and his hip cocked to one side. That's what he was doing. And he would just dance that thing over like this, and he'd dance around it and go back the other way. He never stopped smoking those cigarettes, could light him one off of the other. I said, what is he doing? I just marveled at his abilities. And finally, at lunch on the third day, I went over and begged. His name was Dude. That's what they called him. I went over. I said, Mr. Dude, Mr. Dude. Don't ever say that on a construction crew, by the way, if, you're, if you find yourself in that situation. I said, Mr. Dude, you got to help me with this jackhammer. I don't know how to make it work right. And I went through everything I knew about the jackhammer. I went through structural mechanics and pneumatics and strengths of materials and mechanical engineering and point and power loading and harmonic vibration and everything I could think of. I explained to him I knew how the thing was supposed to work. I told him all that I knew. When I finally finished, he humiliated me in front of the whole crew. He called everybody together. He said, look at here, everybody, look at here. The shovel engineer can't even work a jackhammer. What are you going to do, college boy? What are you going to do? Just wore me out. He, he went on to describe with very inappropriate words that I can't repeat here what it looked like while I was riding the jackhammer. <laughs> when they all finished sneering and jeering, he said, college boy knows all about it, don't he? Everything but except how to do anything with it. Everything but except how to do anything with it. Reading Pentecost transports me back to that moment. We, the brilliant, advanced, well-educated tech-savvy, 21st century, self-aware church. Sometimes we know all about it. Everything but except how to do anything with it. We come against these barriers in our world today. We plot, we plan, we strategize, we organize, we pray, we cry, we work so hard. Still, people are not hearing God's deeds of power in ways they can hear. The barriers are up again, theirs and ours too. Oh, for that Holy Spirit, barrier-piercing power, so that all people can truly hear what God is doing in Jesus. I'm still wondering if we, the church, have forgotten the source of our power. We think it is us. But it is not. It is not us. Mr. Dude taught me that. After my obligatory humiliation, he walked me over to my jackhammer, explained a little thing called balance to me, which he called lean on it, but that's what he meant, balance. And he invited me to give it a try. To my great amazement, 
A powerful jackhammer with a scrawny but well-balanced workman can get a lot done. After an afternoon of success, he said to me, Now, shovel engineer, (laughs) you just remember, you are not the power, but you do have to be there with the power. Your job is to lean on the power while the power does its work. Oh, church, what would it be to become a community of faith leaning on the explosive power of God at work in this world? How many barriers would be pierced? How many lives would be changed? How how much good could the Spirit do? How many people would meet Jesus? How will we be changed? We're getting ready to find out because we are all ready for that which is already within us, but that which is far more than us. We say to each other and to God, Come, Holy Spirit, pierce our barriers that we may be one with you and each other for the good of your church, for the good of this world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen.